substance use disorder and substance use misuse is a healthcare condition. Our brain works differently. And at the end of the day, if we're just looking at it logically, who is choosing to experience homelessness? Who is choosing to harm themselves and others? Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. And thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders. We connect the app. The founders are in long-term recovery. And so they know recovery is unique to every individual. They believe your recovery tool should be as flexible and supportive as you need it to be to help you improve your life. And that's why We Connect exists. Through their incentive-based app and dedicated peer support, they help members build a strong, personalized foundation for their recovery. When COVID hit, it took away many of the options for people in recovery. So We Connect got to work, and made a free version of their app so people could stay, well, connected. Joining me today is Daniela Tudor with We Connect. Welcome, Daniela, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. It's so amazing because when COVID hit, so many things blew up. And in the recovery world where you are, I'm a recovery coach, And I remember my clients saying, I can't go to meetings. I'm not supposed to work, but I'm um, essential. So I have to work all the time. I can't see anybody. Isolation was a thing. And I remember thinking, I know that they're brilliant. I know they're going to figure this out. But just that it just turned that recovery world upside down. And so I thought maybe you could share your story and tell us about We Connect. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in long-term recovery myself. And professionally coming from a background of technology, years ago, when I found my own recovery journey by going through a 28-day inpatient treatment program, I recognized, which is so relevant to what you're talking about, the three barriers to recovery, which is one, lack of human connection. So stay-at-home orders definitely spurred the fire on that. Second, lack of accountability to the activities that matter the most. So meetings got taken away. And third, a lack of reward. So all of those three things is what contributed to us finding WeConnect, which is a mobile app traditionally that rewards you for engaging in the activities that support your recovery, things like going to therapy, community support meetings, and so on. So when the pandemic hit, I immediately, as a person in recovery, thought, just like you did, not being able to go to in-person meetings, not be able to connect with your peers that have such an impact on my recovery is going to be devastating and it's really scary and it's a huge risk to people's recovery. Isolation is really the the enemy there. And so we started these online meetings with a few key partners in in our community and it's been unexpected and unprecedented how those have taken off. Uh, These are mutual aid meetings ran by full-time trained peer recovery support coaches and specialists. And we've had over 700,000 people join those from every state and 30 different countries. And the number still continues to grow despite stay-at-home orders going away. So we've seen a real shift in people realizing that you can find that human connection virtually and more frequently in some instances by way of logging into these. When COVID hit, a lot of people that I know in the recovery world were looking at meetings and they started go to meetings like in Australia and in different Mm -hmm. countries and they would tell me about it. And I just thought, isn't that amazing that recovery is international? It totally is. And that's the thing is that addiction doesn't really discriminate. It affects all people from all backgrounds, all ways of life. 
And the gap that really has been missing to date is that there hasn't been a low barrier potential entry to having a tool with you 24-7 to address those things that I talked about. And so it's really important that we really change the way that we approach recovery and broadly mental health because the two are so correlated so closely. And so from a single mother in rural Tennessee being able to access services to someone that is on a plane traveling all the time for business, it is equally important that they get access to care. I was going to ask you what type of person is going to pick up the phone and download this app and use it. I mean, we've seen all kinds of people pick it up from age 13 to 94, all types of backgrounds, all types of recovery stories. And that's been my vision from the start is that as we improve our product and service, this thing can actually predict and be the best version of yourself 10 steps ahead of you, suggesting uh, different types of routines from meditation to therapy to whatever it is that's going to work for that type of person. Because while recovery is individualized, broadly still need human connection, accountability, and so on. And that's a big part of what I discovered through my own recovery journey. So over seven years ago, I had a small business with a co-founder who is my best friend today. And coming from being a first-generation immigrant here, coming from Romania after living in immigrant asylums in Germany and Portugal, my family system never talked about behavioral health or therapy, just culturally not something that we talked about. And so my business partner at the time was my best friend now. She had the courage to talk to me about my own addiction in a way that resonated with me. And I felt unconditionally loved, even though she was telling me some really hard things. And so that's what propelled me to get into treatment after I actually landed in a jail after missing my arraignment for my DUI. And I remember sitting on that cold floor of the jail and thinking, I can't live with substances, but I can't live without them. And uh, that was my big turning point where I opted to go into treatment, not because I thought it was going to work, but I wanted to show my parents that sacrifice so much that I was willing to try anything possible through being surrounded by people that were going through the same thing, albeit everyone was from really vastly different walks of life. I found that human connection. I found accountability through the resources I was given, but I was terrified to go back into the real world after being in the confines of a 28 day inpatient program. And that's really what propelled not just my own personal recovery, but also uh, we connect. When you say the vastness of recovery, so we are in a pandemic, but we're also in an epidemic, opioid abuse, general public that doesn't really know or hasn't experienced any kind of addiction might just think it's the homeless people. And I think what is really important and, you know, what we teach as recovery coaches is respect and equality that we're all the same. And when we're looking down our nose, even if it's out of fear, we're not serving anybody. And when we say they chose this, that's a really hard one, too, because it's not really a choice once you're addicted. And I think, do you do education for the families as well? Absolutely. So one, I just want to commend you for making that comment. Uh, It is more than accurate that Substance use disorder and substance use misuse is a healthcare condition. Our brain works differently. And at the end of the day, if we're just looking at it logically, who is choosing to experience homelessness? Who is choosing to harm themselves and others? And I can say from my own experience that the emotional depth and emptiness that I felt on the inside is the same as someone else from a different walk of life that they're feeling as well. 
it is the absolute same. Yeah. So we actually offer in terms of family education, one of our online meetings is for the family and loved ones. And we have other affinity groups as well as for women focused and women identifying meetings, LGBTQIA plus meetings. And we're continuing to expand affinity and specialty meetings um, in top of our generic mutual aid meetings, which are for people with, with substance use disorder, people questioning their relationship to substances, mental health, and also quality of life concerns. Because at the end of the day, what addiction or substance misuse really comes down to is a, is a lack of connection and the behavioral aspect and the physiological aspect that our brain works differently. In order to solve for that, we have to expand our resources and we have to step away from the stigma that's been going on for so long. And I love it that you bring up mental health. The people I know that have mental health issues are very normal people with issues. And now that that people are starting the conversation and they're able to talk about it, it's a whole different world. And when we don't talk about it, we can get into fear. We can also be afraid of how it might represent our family. If anybody talks about it, then what what are people going to think? And I see the freedom people in recovery are experiencing when they can talk about everything so freely and not be judged. Yes, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And I think the tide is changing with certain communities and generations. More people are openly talking about getting therapy. And the truth of it is, is that thousands of years ago, we used to live in tribes where you had so many different resources and so much community. And we don't live in that world anymore. So to me, it's only natural that no matter where you're at in life, having a therapist or having some sort of community support should be just the standard period. It's going to make everybody better, happier. And I really believe that vulnerability is strength. And so the more people that are speaking about this, the more people are being open about their emotions, the more powerful and stronger we are as a, as a society. One thing that I really noticed too is People in recovery have a process, but the people around them think, oh, they're clean and sober, let's go. Can you talk about, as somebody who has been into and is in long-term recovery, what that's like? There's not just stages for recovery, but there's also different types of recovery. Recovery doesn't mean abstinence for everybody. Recovery doesn't mean uh, one pathway, right? There's 12-step meetings, there's plant medicine, there's therapy, there's yoga, there's self-recovery, we're natural recovery. There are so many different stages of recovery that, that people can go down the path. And, and not just that, but I think over years and decades where you're at in recovery can go in different directions. It's not linear. And I think that's just part of, of the journey. And I think that is also another gap where we really need to educate society and the world that recovery doesn't look the same for everybody. What it comes down to is two questions. Is the way that you're leading your recovery harming yourself and other people? And are you changing commitments to yourself and other people by leading your path? If the answer is yes to those two questions, then maybe you need to try some different tools or evolve your path. But if the answer is no, then all the more power to those people, even if their path is completely different than mine. People can be judgmental even in recovery for that reason. I've heard people say it's the NA way and me being a challenger and a coach, I say, well, what about not abstinence? I've never seen it work. Well, it does work. I've I've heard of it. You can find it on the internet just because you don't know it works doesn't mean it doesn't work. 
and helping people to realize there are many pathways. So you may have a, a person in your family that's on drugs and you say they need to go to detox, they need to go to rehab, they need, and like you say, it could be different for everyone how they go about this. Not just that, but the reality is, is that as a species, we have been using alternative states of mind in alternating our state of reality since we've existed. There are majority of people can safely engage in using substances and they do it for the right motives and it's not harming their life. So I think we need to be really careful as a society too that we're not demonizing necessarily the things that are neutral, which are the substances themselves. And more so, again, it comes back down to the individual. Like, are you harming yourself and others? Are you changing commitments that you've made to others and yourself? And based on those two questions, and what's your quality of life like is really what needs to be looked at. Can you take me through kind of a step-by-step if I download the app, then Mm -hmm. like what's next? Yeah. So downloading the app, you are instantly prompted with a variety of online meetings you can join. That is completely free. You can enter your recovery activities, whether they're support routines that are GPS or URL based or more self-care things like meditation, yoga, and you can check into those and you can look at your insights and progress. Now you can also enter your insurance information. And if you're covered under a plan that we partner with as we connect, you will be able to access our peer recovery specialist services. So you can start engaging with peers, do recovery capital planning. There's different tiers of engagement and support that you can seek. We match folks with peers that are suited to their demographic and their experience. And then you also have access to the reward system. So as you engage in your recovery activities, you actually earn gift cards that you can then go purchase food, household items, gifts for your kids, transportation stuff. And so there's really two levels of engagement. One is free access to all. And then the other one is if you're covered under the insurance and you want that level, extra level of support. And you can go download the app at weconnectrecovery.com backslash free today. Wonderful. And there are several apps that are called We Connect. So you want to make sure it's the one with recovery. Yes. We and connect recovery. That's right. <laughs> um, so we don't have Apple Care, but we can do for your son. Like, there's a private link that we can send if he wants access. You are local here in Seattle, right? I split time between Los Angeles and Seattle. Oh, you do. Okay. You didn't really have like a thing going, but when COVID hit, you said let's do this thing. So What's we that? connect. We started over seven years ago. Oh, okay. Yes. But the launch of the free version of the app is recent. And we started the online meetings, offering them off our website when the pandemic hit. So we connect started over seven years ago and we had the app with the, with the reward system under insurance coverage, but with the onset of the pandemic, we saw a huge gap in support because of stay at home orders. We started the online meetings off our website and we saw such success. We've now embedded them into the app and released a free version of the app in September. So that's the new release. I see. And do you have anything new on the horizon since you've done that? So we've seen a tremendous amount of success in the last 35, 45 days with the free version that's launched. We're focused on continuing to grow that. And because we've seen success with this lower barrier version of the app, we've actually created a special offering for employers as well, which is peer services plus the free version. It's called We Connect Works, and we just launched that last week. That is wonderful. I'm just really overwhelmed at all the all the goodness that you're doing. I'm just thinking about how hard this year has been on everyone. 
but people in recovery, the women I noticed that were working all the time, which isn't, we don't recommend that when you first get in recovery, they did a lot better than, and I say women because I mostly coach women, than the women that were home because they were so isolated. And a lot of them didn't know the techie for Zoom. They didn't even know how to get on. So they had to learn that. Uh, Once they got that, then being on Zoom meetings did help. But, you know, there's this adage, 90 meetings in 90 days. Well, you could do that with an app, right? Yes, absolutely. We have eight meetings a day running. So you can join as many as you'd like. And we've gotten feedback from folks that never thought to use technology in this way, but they're saying, I'm not going to go back to in-person meetings. I can access this from my home. I don't have to get a babysitter to go to an in-person meeting. This is better. That's the feedback that we've been getting as of late. I also have a theory about what you mentioned about folks doing better. I'm uncertain that that's because of the isolation. I think it's that a sense of purpose is important. And sure, depending, I mean, I was so physically exhausted when I first got into recovery. My body was just recognizing how I tore it down. So going back to work right away maybe wasn't the best idea, but having that sense of purpose kind of overrid that. As a coach, I I was a life coach first, then I became a recovery coach and trainer. That purpose is the number one. It's the number one thing it seems everyone's looking for. You said something earlier that I think gets in the way of purpose. You talked about barriers. So if you're on the street, you can't go and get this dream job. And, you know, it's like there's so many aspects of recovery that not one organization can totally cover. Right. And so how do you deal with barriers? Well, can you give some examples of barriers? So say somebody, some of the homeless people get on the app and they're like, yeah, we want to get, get housing. Yeah. So that's when a peer comes in handy. They actually, within recovery capital planning, peers can support with finding shelter and housing, finding education tools, job support referrals to medical professionals. And that's where peer support is really important. We talk a lot about recovery capital, which is basically resources. Can you talk a little bit more about that for people that might not understand? Absolutely. So recovery capital is almost like, to me, an upgraded version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like we all have needs that need to be met. And the more needs that are being met, the more I'm in a position to actually work on myself and my recovery and develop that part of it and work on the trauma that actually is probably the root of my substance use disorder or one of the roots, right? And so there are many aspects of this that have to do with job, food security, shelter, education, have finding purpose and having the right medical professionals or community support that supports my own individualized recovery. So recovery capital planning is a method by which those things are discovered with your peer of what it is that this particular individual needs in order to be in the best position to improve and develop their own recovery. And what I love about your recovery specialists, because they have the same training, is that, yes, they have the information, the resources, but they're not like telling the person in recovery what to do. They're walking with them. Absolutely. It's a member first approach. And so basically the peer is there to provide resources to be a listening ear, but ultimately the member derives the engagement, drives how much they want to be involved, drives the decisions. They make the decisions for themselves because again, recovery is so individualized. It really comes down to our each own individual intuition to recognize what it is we need at the time. And the peer can meet us where we're at. You said your coworker was brave enough to say something to you. 
Can you address that for family members or friends when they're struggling with that? Yeah, it was just really beautiful instance when my co-founder at the time, who's my best friend today for a different business, approached me about my substance use disorder. And essentially the way she approached it was one with unconditional love. Like I care about you and I love you because at the end of the day, what we're feeling, even though our behavior may not show it is a tremendous amount of guilt, shame, and fear is what we're actually experiencing on the inside. And that can manifest in behavior that seems distant, indifferent, but that's the truth, what's underlying that. And so she approached me with unconditional love and just set some boundaries and said, you know, I can no longer do this business with you. I can no longer live with you because you know need to go get help. And then offered something encouraging, which was that if you solve this, I know your potential and I see stuff about you that you're not even seeing or believing in right now. And to me, that was the most powerful, kind, unconditional, loving way that someone had approached me about it. It wasn't blaming. And what I've learned in my own training about this is that separating the addiction from the person, like I am not my addiction. Addiction is affecting me and her. Addiction is in the middle of the family system or in the middle of the friendship or in the middle of the relationship. And it's affecting us in different ways. Whereas I'm like a carrier and imbibing the substances, but my behavior as a result of that, the addiction is affecting her. That is so good for people to remember. When I was running a day center for homeless women, I had one woman who was helping me and she was in long-term recovery, but I never met her until she was in recovery and she was just a wealth of resources. She was a young mom and another woman came in. She was very dirty. She had been on the street. She just wanted a cup of coffee. Happiest woman you'd ever meet, always smiling, but definitely altered. And she came in and they saw each other and they started jumping up and down and hugging. And and I said, how do you guys know each other? And they looked at me and this was the most powerful thing for me to understand in recovery. They both looked at me and together they said, jail. (laughs) That's so beautiful. Yeah, here's this woman who's helping all these women and then this other one comes in and it's like, what I love about recovery is number one, giving back is such a huge part of it. And number two, sharing your story because sometimes it feels like we have a terrible story because our addiction is not who we are. So like some clients may have stole or they may have felonies. It's hard to get jobs because of that, but it's so not who they are. Right. I think that's where judgment comes in. And the women that I had in my cell when I was in jail were some of the kindest, most supportive humans I have ever met. It was my first time really being in there for an extended period of time. And immediately all of them were asking how they could help, what I needed, what questions I have. And that is the absolute truth. Talk about trauma. You know, we hear so much about ACEs and trauma. Yeah. So my interpretation of trauma is that every single human experiences trauma. When there's a change in life, even if it is positive, our system is unaccustomed to it. And it could be interpreted by our brains as a traumatic event. And so there's grief in that, even when something positive happens. And the way our society has been conditioned is to not share their feelings openly for the most part. I think this is particularly damaging to young men um, and is the root of all society's problems. Um, And so trauma can happen in many different forms. It can happen while someone is at war, but it can also happen at home when there's neglect, uh, when there's pressure to overachieve, when there is um, some sort of relationship breakdown, when there is uh, failure in the home there, you know, uh, there's 
so many different forms of trauma and our brain interprets that trauma in different ways. And then when we get triggered in the present moment, our brain that has no concept of time gets in a triggered state where it thinks that it's in that traumatic state again. And that level of stress can cause us to want to soothe ourselves. And if we didn't have a soothing mechanism from our parents built in that is healthy, then the natural thing is to do what we get advertised at every step of the media and every single you know place that we go to, which is to turn to substances. And so then that can develop if taken too early in life as a neuropathway and as an actual habit. And so the two are very interrelated. I hardly know someone that has substance use disorder from purely just genetics or just physiological. Trauma is always a part of it. And trauma, I think, is also a macro issue that affects countries as a whole and society and culture. I feel like this pandemic has caused trauma. 100%. Or it's helped people no longer ignore it and force them to bring it to the surface because there's less distraction, less things to do. So I think that also could be a part of it. I really like that. Yeah, because people have had to slow down Mm -hmm. and take a look at themselves and be around their people because it's so easy to kind of run from your people if you're trying to keep up a a facade. Yes, so true. So what do you see in recovery as the good things that have come out of the pandemic? I mean, as I mentioned, I think it's it's allowed people um, to actually engage now that we've gone through this and more online resources have been stood up to engage in online meetings more and have access to more meetings overall. I think it's allowed people to adopt digital technology that has a low barrier of entry a lot faster. Um, And I think it's brought up the topic of mental health back up to the surface. You know, we've unfortunately seen a rise in overdose deaths by 30 to 40% as a result of the pandemic. And I think it's created uh, with folks working remote, an undeniable Um, problem that employers are forced to look at, that the government's forced to look at more, that society's forced to look at more in the open. And my hope is that this only means that more resources will be put towards solutions like ours. If somebody wants to download your app, the easiest place is weconnectrecovery.com backslash free. There you'll find the Apple and Google Play links to download our free version of our app. And like she said, it's free and I did download it. It's easy, easy to do. And I would suggest if you want to download it and you have any tech issues, find someone 10, 15 years younger than you and ask for help. And I have a name for this. It's called reverse mentoring. I love that so much. Or contact us at weconnectrecovery.com. We're always happy to help. We have our member support specialists and customer service on hand. Thank you so much and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.